want to share with you um, just a tiny bit of a story. My husband has just completed, and we're waiting for it from the press, a very exhaustive um, compilation on agriculture. And he endeavored to go back to original sources, which has been interesting. So here's a letter that he found that he shared with me. And that's where I got the title of this message. That's not me. So this is um, from a letter in, written in 1899. W.C. White saw Brother Colston, Colston's necessity. So Brother Colston was a new convert in Australia. So W.C. White sees this man's necessity. Listen to this. And he borrowed eight pounds from our blacksmith and loaned it to him. So he didn't even have the money to loan it to Brother Colston, but he borrows from the blacksmith and loans to Brother Colston so that he, um, so, and here's what he does with that money. He, he loaned him eight pounds that he might make a beginning and all are glad and more than astonished to see the beginning he has made. And in, in, an, in a more broad reading of it, I think it, it says that he bought out in the bush 12 acres. So it was quite far out. About 12 acres have been cleared and planted with sweet corn and field corn. The sweet, sweet corn they will eat and the field corn they will sell. The vegetables that have been grown help a great deal in supporting the family. The little lads, he had three children at, and they were like 8, 10, and 12. The little lads are working with their father like little farmers. They are so earnest and full of zeal that it is amusing to look at them and see how happy they are in their work. They have not so much society besides their own family connections, but they are in the very best school they could be in. We, thank, we feel thankful to God that we see for what we see, and we shall encourage those who come into the truth to take up land which they can cultivate and so sustain themselves. So, those aren't my words. The pen of inspiration tells us that agriculture is the very best school. And so we, we have, Jonathan and I sat down and tried to think about our experience and why. Why is gardening or why is agriculture the very best school? Um, Uh, because, as the sign says, it all began in a garden. That's actually from Kirsten's wedding, because her love story began in the garden, too. Um, so God knew what was best all along. He placed, he places, it places you and your children where you are surrounded by God's creation. And so that's the beginning. Why gardening? Oops. Here. We're going ahead of ourselves. Education means more than the mere study of books. It is necessary that both the physical and mental powers be exercised in order to have a proper education. When in counsel with the Father before the world was, was, it, was it was designed that the Lord God should put, plant a garden for Adam and Eve in Eden and give them the task of caring for the fruit trees and cultivating and training the vegetation. Useful labor was to be their safeguard, and it was to be perpetuated through all generations to the close of, the, of Earth's history. So, useful labor was a safeguard. Did I miss a slide here? No. Okay, so this is just part of the why. Why? You naturally learn the balance between faith and works. There was one time where my parents were actually out of town, and we were, Josh and I, I think, were responsible at the time for covering all the crops. It was wintertime, and we had, or it would have been spring, or was it fall? Anyways, we were, it was it warmer was, weather. Yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, was the fall. Okay, it was fall, and we were expecting frosts, but the daytimes were warm, and so 
we had a, a whole greenhouse full of raspberries that um, we were supposed to be covering. And we forgot one night to do the covering, which was our responsibility. And it got very cold that night, and we lost the whole crop of raspberries. And that was a situation, looking back, where you know you can't trust the Lord to protect your crops unless you've done your part, you know. And uh, so you learn a lot of different things like that that um, teaches you to do your part and not just exclusively rely on the Lord. Fortunately, it was the tail end of the crop. <laughs> God is good. He, he lets us learn the lessons, but not, not so hard sometimes. So another why is that you learn... You learn from a young age that life is about work, and work becomes play. And that's something that we don't really see in the majority of young people today, uh, is a good work ethic. So, uh, Jonathan, I want you to share um, some of the things that, for you, most people would consider work, but I know you considered play. Well, one that I can remember was um, growing up, we had every day of the week or you know Sunday through uh, Thursday I guess we had in the evenings about an hour of family fun time we'd call it and so mom had mom and dad had kind of said that each of us kids chose the activity for one evening a week of fun and so we would do things like um, kickball or, or tag in the in the yard or Kirsten always wanted to play doctor or something but f- fairly fairly regularly especially um you know in the fall when we were getting ready for winter um i would like to choose going and cutting wood for family fun time which, uh, i don't know i just really enjoyed going out in the woods and and chopping up trees hauling it onto the trailer and and bringing it home but um i think i was the only one that enjoyed it <laughs> i don't think that's true i think his brother loved it just as much and imagine us you know, for, for our family time, for our play time, we are actually accomplishing a very necessary task. So I, we tried not to let him know uh, <laughs> how much we appreciated that. But, um, yeah, Jonathan loved to do that kind of work. So we've kind of tried to, to break it up. And this is not a per- There's so much more that could be said. There's so much. This is just sort of the beginning So those were the whys. You know, it really teaches you about faith and works. And I can say that is such, you know, we we have all these seminars about faith and works. Let me tell you, farming is totally about faith and works in action every day. It just becomes very clear that we have a part to play. And then um, that you you have opportunity to really have a good work ethic. So these are some life skills that we thought of that sort of naturally come. And the part of what we want to we share is just that apart from stressing ourselves about book work, there is so much that is taught from just living an agrarian type of life. Um, so common sense, and I'll, I'll share a, a, just a little illustration. We have a lot of people that come through the farm, and we had, you know, things that to us are just obvious, and, and you do them all the time, and I'm sure it would be different if, you know, but, but certain things are just like common sense. So to me, a common sense thing is if you want to put a stack of CSA bins on a hand truck or dolly, I call it, you have to kind of lean the stack up a little bit in order to get that hand truck under. I mean, that just seems like just obvious. I mean, that just is so simple. And we had a young person visiting our farm one time, and ah, they were not old. They were probably 12 or 13. And I asked them to do that, and I'm telling you, they could not figure out how to get that stack of stuff on the hand truck. Just simple things. Not everybody's going to maybe have that challenge, but just plain old common sense of how do you think through things. Um, Behind a hoe, you learn a lot of common sense. 
And I can say that where common sense is lacking, and I've seen this personally, where common sense is lacking, get them in the garden, behind a tool, and common sense is a natural byproduct of being in the garden. Um, log pardon, you have nothing. Logical and concrete thinking. You know, it's interesting. I, I could tell you a lot about my homeschooling, and I'm pretty passionate about the balancing of homeschooling and, and farming, and I feel my inadequacy often, and yet the Lord keeps bringing me back. So this year, or last year, I determined with Caleb, my youngest, I am going to use some just plain old workbooks. I'm not a workbook person, but I thought, this wouldn't hurt him. This would be maybe good for him. We got into those workbooks, and the kinds of things they teach, like trying to teach sequential activities. It's like, it was so, so simple for him. It, because when you're used to just regular living, and okay, if we're going to go out and plant, well, you got to first get the stuff from the greenhouse, then you got to get the tools, then you got to, so you're always doing sequential, logical, um, concrete activities that teach you that all of life has an order, and you have to start, if you want an end result, you got to start with the seed, if you want the fruit. Um, and then another one is just the reasoning power from cause to effect. Do you have, can you think of any cause to effect kind of illustrations? We, um, well, I mean, I guess I would say this. In, on the farm, everything is about cause to effect. Jonathan already told you a story. You know, if you forget to leave, if you forget to close the doors on a hoop house and it's going to frost and you have frost sensitive stuff in there, it's a cause to effect happening. You leave the door open, you lose what you have there. One time the boys, I think it might have been Joshua, was he was going to plant and propagate some little tomatoes. And he had them in a little, um, uh, sort, I can't think of what it's called, but it, it, just in a tray that we have, and the tray has a lid that goes over it to keep the, the, the blocks moist. And so... I don't know if he had lacked getting instruction from his father or what, but he left those little plants under that cover in the hoop house, and, you know, so much moisture. Within a day, they were all totally and um, very obvious. If you don't... <laughs> Jonathan doesn't want to take credit for that one. If you don't, if you leave the lid on, what's inside is spoiled. So there's just a ton of cause to effect on a farm. Do you want me to talk about Okay, I'll talk about the first one. I mean, these are all kind of... That is Jonathan. That's probably about the age he was when I really realized he had a mind that was made for trying... He was always trying to find the easy way to do things. So he had taken the, the chassis off of his Tonka truck, and he created his first walk-behind mower. So, ride behind. Yeah, he didn't want to walk behind it. I mean, you can see if he was not on that thing, he'd hardly be big enough to push the handle. Um, but he had taken the chassis off, and he had figured if he held the handle, because uh, it was a self-propelled one, and he stood on this chassis, off he would go. And I just saw him flying past the dining room door, and I thought, wow, wow. I, I guess he's going to be the engineer in the family, and that is true. So tell, these are some sayings that we use in our house. Well, with the time-saving things, I, I don't like the term uh, labor-saving devices and because it, then it kind of makes it sound like you're trying to get out of work. But So I generally, you know, I'm not trying to figure out how to uh, get out of work. I just like to figure out how to make it faster. But I think for this one it was kind of um, labor-saving. <laughs> it was more fun. We had, we had a very large yard, and so he was, push, he was doing the push mower for, I mean, it was probably, I don't know, but it was a big yard. Yeah, it was, and we, we didn't have a riding lawnmower, so I just wanted to make one. <laughs> um, but ingenuity and, and the ability to stir what you have, um, stir what you got, is definitely something you, you 
just kind of grow up with that. You know, if you grow up on a farm, you just kind of naturally, I guess, fall into that. It's kind of hard for me to think some of these things. It's kind of hard for me to, to explain because it's just, you know, when you've grown up with that your whole life, I guess, it's just kind of hard to compare it to anything else. But um, definitely you, you learn to stir what you got. I could think of many different times where um, you're trying to get something done and you really don't have um, the tool you need or the, the item you need to finish a job. But, um, you know, town is, is 30 minutes away, and you can't just go pick it up. So you just make something else work. You know, find something you can figure out how to use it. That's right. So I'll tell you a story on him. You can tell some stories on me, too, if you want. <laughs> but um, he was a little guy, and he was working with John in the greenhouse. And we use bales, not like bags like that, but bales that are compressed of peat moss. And they are large. And John you, opens them with the scissors or with a knife and he was in the greenhouse and Jonathan was little he was young like these guys here and John couldn't find a pair of scissors he couldn't find a knife and so he starts looking and behind his back Jonathan sees a saw that someone had left in the greenhouse he gets the saw and just hacks the top of the bag off you know just cuts it off and John turned around and well job is done job is done and don't be fearful of boys using saws. It's okay. It's okay. You teach them how to use tools, and it'll make them men. I mean, do we want men, or do we want men? <laughs> you know, we want our boys to really be men. We want them to do hard things, and we want them to, we've stretched them. They've stretched us in many ways, too, but we we wanted them to. So we've skipped the first one, efficiency. A stitch in time saves nine. Oh, my. There are so many ways on the garden, in the garden that is seen. You know, if you cultivate the weeds when they are barely visible, just takes five minutes. I mean, in ten minutes, we can do a whole, um, what's the size of our uh, 48, 30 by 48? You know, that's the, our hoop house size, our movable ones. In 10 minutes, you can cultivate that. But give it a week, it'll take you a couple of hours. Give it a month, and it'll take you a week. And so um, you're always faced with the, the time to do it is now. Sometimes that means you have to stay up late and work with a headlamp. Um, so lots of efficiency, lots of, lots of ingenuity. And timeliness, that's kind of efficiency, timeliness, um, a day late and a dollar short. We don't like to live like that. It's thinking ahead. It's being prepared ahead. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll confess. I'll be just transparent. I haven't done so good at this recently. You know, I wasn't here at the last one because I didn't have this done. So I was kind of facing that. I'm putting it in, and I'm thinking, man, you know, I'm a day late. <laughs> I, no money in this, but, you know, it doesn't feel good. And so uh, those are some different things that we've learned. More skills. Um, let me think. One, one thing. Well, yeah, working together, uh, recognizing that everyone has something to contribute. Um, we've been on the farm farming full-time for, what, 15, 16 years? Something like that. It's been a while. And so my little brother, Caleb, was born in 2003. Um, and so he was born into the farming operation. And pretty quickly, we were starting to realize that even a little two-year-old can, you know, he can help. So I remember one time, distinctly, we were planting strawberries in the fall and we generally we were probably planting seven or eight thousand plants and we try to do it all in one day and so we're pretty busy um and we we do it with the tractor most of the time and so we had the planter on the back of the tractor and trays full of of strawberry plants and the two people that would plant would take the plugs out of the out of the trays and put them in the ground and, and we keep going and as soon as you finished a tray you just threw it off the side and you kept going well the trays all had to be picked up before you could turn around and come back up the other row or else you'd run over them and so we said Caleb you pick up all the trays so he would run behind us and pick up all the trays um, I just remember seeing it you know I don't think he had a shirt on it was just dirt and just he was just 
toddling around, picking up all the trays. I don't know how old do you think he was. Probably just one or two or three, maybe. Um, and so he's been working on the farm ever since then. You know, he he plays a lot and all, but it's just all kind of play to him, I guess. And and uh, work is play. Yeah, work is play. But there's there's always something that everybody can can contribute. Okay, here are some of. I was trying to think, uh, just academically, what kinds of things can you learn from in the garden? And these are things that you learn really without without thinking about it. But I think the biggest is math skills. And it's interesting that, um, and I can, I'll just say Caleb. He's my youngest. And as far as the books go, his math skills would be considered quite low. But in the field, you can, John can tell, or I can tell him, okay, we're going to plant this, you know, this 40-foot row and we're going to plant the plants every this many inches. Can you please go to the greenhouse and get what you need? Get the plants that you need. Or we're going to do it three feet wide and this many feet long, and we're going to do three plants this way, and we're going to do you know, 20 plants that way. How many are we going to need? Oh, mental math is nothing. But if I gave him a book and said, can you do these division problems? Well, he doesn't really know about division yet, technically. You know what I'm saying? but he can do all kinds of mental math. Now, I'm not advocating that you don't use books. We use books for math. We, we, there are certain things that you can't really get in the garden, but there's a lot. When you're talking about elementary ages and you're talking about grades up to like sixth grade where they're learning basic math skills, they can learn so much of that in the garden. So much of that. Um, science. Oh. Uh, I was talking, the kids were kind of talking about different things. To, some of the things that would be considered science that you just naturally learn. What were we were you in about? on the discussion? Trees. Well, yeah, that's considered science. Okay. <laughs> um, well, we, I think we were taught, the conversation was um, just growing up in nature and on the farm, we just kind of, um, I guess, learn the surroundings and so we've kind of realized through the years that we know like all the different trees and um you know something that if you lived in the city and you just grew up in that environment you may have to actually really work to to learn the trees and and the flowers and the birds and you know things around you you just kind of learn that naturally just growing up with it um so i think that was the conversation we had well and life cycles you know, they just see the cycle of life repeating itself. Like, we, you know, we just, there are certain things that happen on the farm, and you just know. Okay, so these life cycles are repeating. Um, Jonathan was all into mushrooms for a while. And, I mean, he could take you on a walk here and tell you about the mushrooms. Um, my boys decided they were going to get into maple syrup production, and they were going to tap the trees with this okay they were going to tap the trees and you know so you don't just go out and do it you got to learn well that's where the books come in handy but the combination of the books and the practical makes perfect education so you know they would go jonathan he's a reader today and he would read when he was 12 he i could not get him to read it was i mean he could read but are you kidding life is happening there's, you know, I was going to say this about him. He, he's, I started them later. So Jonathan was about seven. Um, he was probably closer to eight when we decided we're going to do book work. He just cried. <laughs> he told me it's going to ruin my life. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sad to say that it sort of did ruin his life for a time because I, I'm a teacher. And I was determined that we were going to do the books. And I caused a lot of stress in my family in those early, especially with my first two, when I really I did not understand about true education. The Lord had already put us on the farm. He'd already called us to farm. But I hadn't embraced that as the vehicle of education. And so it caused a lot of friction and a lot of stress. Whereas with Caleb, his life has been much better and as far as the stress of education, it, there's, not that, there's not that stress. And yet, 
you know, he's, he's doing fine. He is, um, he's way ahead of many of his peers in his abilities. So we'll, those are kind of just, so, and the, then the Bible. Of course, the Bible is a part of all of our education. The Bible is, the nature is the first book. So, of course, it's going to teach us about God. So these aren't directly from the garden, but these are things from an agrarian life, just from living a life that, and I think my boys have been blessed the most. And, and before I say this, okay, practical skills, these are the man side of things, but I insisted that my boys learn the other things. They can cook, they can do laundry, they can iron their clothes. When I leave, when, I'm, when I need to be gone a day, I just say, see ya. They are amazing cooks. They, they know how to run the home without me. And so, but these are the, th the we're focusing more on the outside of the home skills that are learned from an agrarian life. So, Jonathan, I'd like you to share about these. These are the man side of, and you can just add to it other things that you've learned or. Well. I do like to read and, and learn from others, but generally my, I guess just the way I learned is just by trial and error. So buildings, one, um, I remember the first tree house we made, Joshua and I made, and it was, um, you know, we picked two limbs in the tree and, and one of them was higher than the other and we just kind of slanted the boards and, and they were going all different direction and we used roofing nails with the big um, the big green heads on them and just nailed the whole thing together and you know the boards would rot and we'd just put another one on top and you know it wasn't too high in the tree so if we fell it was okay but um, you know that was our first when I was thinking about this I think that was a really my first attempt at building anything um, and that tree house is long gone but after that we actually built one years later that um, lasted a whole lot longer although it it still um, came apart because we never got it properly roofed but um so you you learn skills like that and then we actually um built a house in our in our barn um to live in at one point and that was at a time where I was probably uh 13 or 14 when we started that and so I was at an age where um I was really able to help a lot and we just learned a lot of skills dad had more skills in in construction and all and so um you know at this point I would feel I, I would not be daunted with the concept of going and building my own house, even though I've never really had any proper uh, instruction in, in building and con construction. But it just, um, with all the little projects we've done around the farm, I've gotten very comfortable with it. Um, plumbing and electric, you definitely learn. We've put in a lot of irrigation, and, and we've never hired any, any plumbers. You know, we've made mistakes. In fact, fairly recently, we were trying to... Um, connect another pipe into one of our lines and we we cut it and um glued a joint in and when we turned the water back on it leaked so we had to cut it out and that cost us a little bit extra for a new joint but um it didn't cost as much as hiring somebody to do it so i think we were still ahead um electric it's one of those things you learn you learn what to do you learn what not to do you know if um you grow up in the city uh, you know all the outlets have those little children prediction things over them and you know kids know to stay away from electricity but they don't really probably ever know why you know and I I can think of multiple times where I um one time we had our lawnmower was um not running right the uh the spark plug boot kept falling off and so I was trying to get it to stay back on and I um I put it on and started it and I could see it was wiggling so I thought well let me just uh take some pliers and just squeeze it on there a little bit so I I uh, squeezed it too tight and punctured the the rubber boot and, and grounded it out on myself. And, um, you know, I found out what – those things are thousands of volts. It's very low amperage, so it doesn't hurt, but it sure gives you a jolt. And so you learn what not to do. I've shocked myself uh, wiring with 120 volts. And it's not going to kill you, but it will definitely uh, make you be a little more careful next time. And so you just learn learn how to, how to work with that stuff. Um, we did tile when we were building our house. We had a friend at church that does tile, and so he came out and helped us, and Josh and I both were very involved in that. And after we were finished, we had a bunch of tile left over, and so I actually built uh, a sink for us and put the tile around it and did the best I could, and it lasted for 
uh, quite a while. In fact, we're still using it, but all the grout is kind of coming out and some of the tiles are falling off. So um, you just get there, get in there and get your hands dirty and get some experience. But, um, you know, it's not always perfect, but you just have to learn to, um, to I guess, embrace the concept that, uh, you know, doing it yourself. You'll learn a lot. You might not get it perfect the first time, but it's important. Um, Welding is another one of those things. Um, you know, it's not necessarily something you just learn by growing up on the farm, but we got a welder at, at one point, and, um, you know, it's it saved us so much money to have that, and I learned how to use it. Um, and it's just a great practical skill to have um, on the farm because, you know, stuff's always breaking. So those are just a few practical skills, very few practical skills you learn. Let me just add here, too. You know, moms, we have a part to play in encouraging, like with the sink. I can remember Jonathan did not want to do that project. I said, it's not going to be a big deal. You know, this is what I think you should do. You know, just get a piece of plywood and cut the hole in it, and we're going to put these. We, we renovated a tobacco barn, so we had all these three-by-three three posts that, that tobacco would hang over. And so, you know, I said, we're going to anchor it to the wall, and we're going to put these legs on the front it's not going to be a big deal and you know I don't know how to do it I think you can do it he had already helped I think you can do it you know I don't mind that the grout's coming out when I wash my hands at that sink I think of you know my young man who learned how now he would do it better if he did it again now okay more skills the use of hand tools I'll tell you a little story. This is our youngest, Caleb. And my father um, heard because, okay, so Caleb had made some Christmas ornaments for uh, gifts, and they were made from trees. And he had cut them in, oh, about half-inch slices with the hand, the chop saw. And um, my dad was not very happy when he heard about that, that he just, you know, it was very out of character for my dad to get involved. But he called me and he said, you know, I hear that Caleb is using that. And I just really want to discourage that. And, and, you know, I talked to John and he was, you know, we believe in training them how to use tools, how to use them. And, and with guidance, we don't let them go out and use them by themselves. But his brothers were there and watching him and making sure. So, um my dad um, gave Caleb this uh, scroll saw as something that he could condone him using with no fear of hurting himself. <laughs> so we'll, we'll show more about that. But Caleb is a woodworker. He is 12, and it, the things that he has, he has come up with are, when we get to the natural byproducts, we'll share some of that. But the use of hand tools... Um, equipment maintenance and just plain being Mr. Fix-Its. I want my boys to be able to fix anything from a toilet to a broken faucet to cabinetry that's broken, whatever. Just to be able to fix whatever in the home and out of the home. Um, can you think of any equipment maintenance uh, experiences? Again, let me say this. I'll tell a story on him. <laughs> I'm so glad I brought you with me, son. <laughs> it's part, again, of a parent's willingness. You have to be willing to let them make mistakes. So that mower that Jonathan was riding behind, that was a heavy Kubota mower that someone had given to us. Wonderful gift. Jonathan didn't understand about push yeah the push mower. And he... You can tell him what you did, because I don't even still really know. But do you understand well, what happened? It ran low on oil was the main problem. But I think what um, I was mowing, and I got on too steep of a hill. And uh, bottom line is the engine got blown up. So. But we, how did we get that fixed? Did we didn't we, fix it. We didn't fix it. No, it was. But today, he would have fixed it. He would have. Well, would have had to put a new engine on it, probably. <laughs> but I do you know how to do that? It had a hole in the side of the engine. Well, yeah, I've done it m multiple times. I actually um, started, I, I'm very interested in mechanical things, and so when I was 
17, I started taking business from community. I started, I put a little sign out by the road, small engine repair, and um, started trying to fix other people's mowers too, which um, it worked, but I, you know, I, I quickly got into situations where I didn't know what I was doing. So <laughs> once again, you just have to, you know, trial and, and error. at your expense? Yeah. I... <laughs> I bought some pieces that I didn't need, and I mean, I've had multiple things that, um, you know, I had to just bite the bullet and, and suck up the cost, but um, but I learned a lot, and and then I did, I went on to get some more training in that, but um, but have definitely gotten uh, more experience and I guess just a little more skilled at equipment maintenance without damaging equipment. But, you know, and all of our boys might not be as good. Our, our second boy, Joshua, does not enjoy the mechanical things. But what I've noticed is that by nature, by growing up on the farm, he still is very good at, at a lot of that. You know, he doesn't enjoy it. He would never do it. But um, Zach, my third boy, my third boy Zach, um, he is much more like Jonathan. He loves the mechanical things. He loves working on cars. He has done so much work on our car. Um, everything, well, I couldn't tell you the things he's done, but Jonathan could probably tell you. I mean, has he made some mistakes? Yes, he's made some mistakes. But I took the tools back one time. We, we rented tools from um, an auto shop in town. And when I was returning them, he was remarking, wow, these are some big jobs you've been doing. Well, actually, it's my, he was 17 then. It's my 17-year-old son who's doing them. Really? Yep. Um, so, and of course, Jonathan, having an older sibling who, who has more experience is helpful. Um, but definitely, all the boys living on a farm, you're constantly dealing with broken equipment, things that need to be fixed. So, here are some natural byproducts. Creativity. Excuse me. Creativity is a natural byproduct of living in the garden and on the land. This is my 12-year-old, and this is his shop. It's usually, he usually keeps it very neat, but he was busy at work. This was just last week. He, he had it in mind that he wanted to make a pedal-powered lathe. Now, how many of you know what a pedal-powered lathe is? I see about three hands. <laughs> a lathe is, uh, is something that turns wood. So like the spindles on your chair that have, you know, your intricate work, uh, that's what a lathe does. And I mean, a lathe can do a lot of things. I think you can make bowls on a lathe. Well, Caleb had said something to me about wanting to make a pedal power lathe, and I was busy, and I kind of said, well, he said, I just want to look on, on YouTube and see if I can find a video of, of a pedal-powered lathe. And I'm thinking, where have you ever seen a pedal-powered lathe? He said, well, when we were up in Maine, and that was two years ago, um, he had seen one. And so I said, well, yeah, we can do that. But I was busy, and I didn't get to it. And I think the day that I went to market, he and John sat down and looked at a, I don't know, 20-minute YouTube on a pedal-powered lathe. That's it. He went down to his shop, and he made it. And it is not, and it's not just a, you know, uh, I'm just noticing, you probably can't see, but the string, he's got it hooked to his toe. I'm not quite sure what that's about. You don't think it is? It looks like he's got it around his toe. So you stand on it, and you pump with the pedal, and the string attaches to this dowel, wraps around it, goes up to the bungee cord, and then you use a chisel, a hand. I really should have him come in here and explain it because I really don't, but he's very busy out there throwing <laughs> things off of the... <laughs> um, I'll be honest. I, I came home for lunch one day from working at my shop, and, and he was out in his little shop working on the stand for this. So I went in there to see what he was doing, and he explained it to me, and, and I tried to you know, go along with it, but I honestly didn't think that he would be able to do it. I, did, I was like, I don't know about that. That sounds a little too involved. But then a few days later, I stopped by, 
and it was done, and I was very impressed. Yeah, I don't quite know how these these things right here work, but well, it somehow it, they clamp, and he can hold the wood with it, and the string wraps around it, and so he's got to stand there like this. Good exercise. I just can send him down to do that for. <laughs> so he can he does this, and it causes the this back part to go up and down. And I mean, talk about I never. I mean, when I was 12, I was in a room like this with a bunch of desks. And it nearly, it really nearly destroyed me. I mean, education is meant to be an active experience. It is not meant to be. You know, when we, this does not stifle the desire to learn. This creates a desire to learn. You know, before this, and I don't have a picture, you can just see it in the background, Probably almost two years ago, right after we went to Maine to that conference, Caleb decided he wanted to make a draw knife bench. Uh, probably not many of you know what that is either. Uh, I mean, I know what it is. So, and he didn't even have a draw knife. So <laughs> I said, well, that sounds really good. I had no idea. How are you going to do it? He just had a picture, and he just made it. And he didn't stop with just making it. He made a little attachment where he can hang all his little tools. And then he carved his name in it. And because he doesn't, he, at that time he wasn't writing cursive. And he wanted it to, he's very artistic. He wanted it to look good. So he asked his sister to write on it his name in cursive. And then he used his, um, his wood burner. And he wood burned his name in it. So it's, a, again, it's not just a, you have to sit on it, and you push with your feet, and it clamps the wood, and then you use this knife that looks sort of like a U, and someone gave him one then, and, and you pull back, and you use it to make whatever. Shingles. shingles. <laughs> okay, he hasn't made any shingles, but he's had a grand time with it. <laughs> so natural byproducts, and I'm not saying, it's not just Caleb, but, and my kids are not, unusual. They're not, they're, they're just kids who have grown up in a way that has fostered creativity. Um, the decorations, my daughter did the, the decorations in the auditorium. You know, there's just this creativity that comes out of you when it's not stifled by your learning environment. I was thinking about one thing. Um, you know, we had a very few inside kind of toys like Legos and and we had a train set but um, you know if you've ever recently been shopping for Legos uh, Legos aren't so much what's the term like uh, they're they're not a very uh, they're not a very wholesome toy anymore anymore they're they're not so wholesome and even you know 15 16 years ago when I was playing with Legos Mom and Dad, we, we had a pretty good set of them, but we didn't have any manuals because they would take the manuals because most of them had, you know, some graphic stuff in it or whatever. So we had a whole box of Legos. Well, we didn't I, have, I well, don't know what the reasons were, but we didn't have manuals. So I'll tell you why. Because I thought the manuals stifle creativity. Then it tells you, you can make one thing with this. I mean, there well, might have been some bad that pictures be, but too, but I, that's not my memory. My memory was I think was that's more what it was. But the bottom line was we didn't have any manuals. And so if you wanted to make a truck, you had to figure out how to make it. So, you know, we made all kinds of stuff. And we definitely um, made some things that uh, were pretty creative. (laughs) But that was just one thing that, you know, I think is great. Rather than just having this mentality, well, you know, here's number one picture. And you get that block and this block and put them together. to, to just use your, your creativity to come up with stuff. Yeah, that's true. All right. Here's a, oh, so this is, there's Caleb's shop. He sort of took over our garage. It was sort of, it sort of happened very um, unplanned. Like he didn't come and say, can I take over the garage? But it, we weren't, we don't park our car there anyway. So that's his shop. He built that table, and that's his draw knife um, bench back there by the the door. Um, A natural byproduct is 
entrepreneurialism. And that's something I know Jonathan and I both have a real passion for. Um, it's not something that you hear much about in our circles. But entrepreneurialism, when you raise children in this kind of environment, and if you have an entrepreneurial spirit as a parent, you're encouraging them to not spend their money on junk that's going to wear out, but take your money and invest it in something that can make you money, that can make you a blessing. And so Caleb, at the bottom here, that, that's he with one of our apprentices, um, and actually the, the sister of my son-in-law. And um, that was a market. The market manager invited Caleb to bring his scroll saw wares and to sell them at market. And for a 12-year-old to come away from a market with $80 in his pocket from things that he made on his scroll saw, talk about energizing, you know? Very energizing. And then we have the, the burden that we want to teach our children to be have a spirit of giving. We don't get that money so that we can just spend it on ourselves. We get that money so that we can be a channel of blessing and to give. So entrepreneurialism. This pictures Joshua, our, our, uh, our second boy. He is, he is really the one who loves farming. He is doing this, this winter, he is doing a CSA. He has 61 CSA members including myself and grandma and Aunt Jennifer and the piano teacher that brings us up to, you know, 65. 65 CSA customers. And, but his, his personal entrepreneurialism and his personal little business is um, eggs. He sells eggs. He has a, quite a large flock. And Joshua's one who's very free-spirited. So, I mean... <laughs> I mean, I could tell you lots of funny things about Joshua, but he's just, take life as it comes. You know, so his hens have been, he hasn't really made any money on them. I mean, it looks good when it comes from the market, and he sells 20 dozen eggs at $6 a dozen, and he sells them in the first 30 minutes of market. I mean, people absolutely love his eggs. Now, we don't eat them for the most part, but we just feel like if other people are going to eat them, we want to give them the best. And so his hens, to the left, you can see the fence, have a humongous, I have no idea how many acres it is, um, fenced area that they can be in. So he's, that is his, that is his little side thing. And then Jonathan um, has his business, Farmer's Friend, which he engineered and with the help of a godsend engineer, um, a lettuce harvester for baby greens. That has just been a tremendous blessing to the farming community, not just here in the U.S., but he sends those all over the world. Praise God. Praise God that a boy who grew up on a farm and the world would say didn't have the proper education maybe is having an impact and having the opportunity to bless farmers all over and make their farming production viable. Um, and then here is his latest thing that you can see over in the, in the auditorium. Um, he's just come up with this small hoop house that can, um, I mean, he's, it's not like it's his design or his, you know, he's, he's putting it together. He's trying to package it in a way that home owners can simply get it with everything right there, directions, everything they need to start a small production. Does God want his people in the garden? Absolutely. And so, you know, I praise God for, for the entrepreneurial spirit that he's given my boys and then the ability to bless others through that spirit. Um, there's a, a box of soaps. Kirsten, for a while, had a, a soap-making business. I still have people at the market asking for her soaps. So those are just a few of the entrepreneurial things. That is a natural byproduct. But here's the most important why. 
Our faith is stretched and strengthened by working with nature and elements that are out of our control. You know, there's a lot of great reasons to be on the farm. I think we shared a lot of them. Um, but the, when we get down to the bottom line, what's the bottom line? What's the root reason why we want to raise our children in this way? It's because it will stretch their faith. And, and even though, our, you know, our experiences stretched our faith, but in the process, our children's faith was also grown. And the foundation is there. We'll end with one more quote. I love this quote. His, talking about Jesus, his education was gained from heaven-appointed sources, from useful work, which is all about what it is if you live on a farm. There's so much useful work. There's too much useful work. Sometimes you think the useful work will never end, but what a blessing. So from useful work, from the study of the scriptures, from nature, and from the experiences of life. God's lesson books, full of instruction to all who bring to them the willing hand, the seeing eye, and the understanding heart. So that is why we think Mrs. White said that it's the very best school, being by your father's side in the garden, learning to work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so humbled to be instruments in your hand. Lord, the work that you want to do in each one of us through agriculture, through the garden, is such a God-appointed thing. And I pray that we would remember that you put us in the garden. That's where it began. That is where we are safeguarded from the things of this world. And I pray that the things that we've shared can encourage others and also just that they would be able to apply them to their own situation and that you would help us to remember that your kind of education is a very natural happening when we live in the environment that you placed us. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.